This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is my co-host, Brian Rinaldi. Hey, Ed. How's it going, Brian? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, having a busy week as usual. Uh, so this is another Telerik Developer Digest show, or Developer Digest show, as we like to call them. Uh, this is where you get to hear all of your favorite developer alternative facts for the week. <laughs> <laughs> Fake news. So we've, we've got a, uh, a fun show with some web technologies to talk about today. Uh, we're going to cover uh, what is Blazor and uh, some X, X, bleh, how do you say this? ECMAScript goodies uh, that one of our fellow coworkers, Tara, wrote about. So we'll get into that later on. Sounds good. So I've been working with a new experimental platform or web framework called Blazor. Have you heard about this? I heard about it, yes, because you told oh, me about it. <laughs> I was going to say, only from me, probably. Yeah, yeah, that was it. I had not, when you mentioned it, I'm like, nope, never heard of it. it that's not a big surprise because it's only been out for a Roughly two to three weeks if you're listening to this show about airtime, which is uh, um, early in the month here. Um, so what what Blazor is, is a web framework that lets you write client-side C-sharp web applications. Does that sound uh, scary or uh, refreshing? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. That's not my wheelhouse, is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the the idea here is um, we're we're looking at building uh, full stack web applications where you write your client side and your server side code in C sharp and .NET. That doesn't mean that you've got one framework though running across both the server and the client. So don't don't get too far ahead of me. Um, Blazor would be the front end stack of uh, that C sharp .NET stack, and um, with Blazor you can write single page uh, web applications on the front end without JavaScript. And the way okay. that it's doing that is. Um, with WebAssembly. Yeah, it looks like they've rebuilt the entire .NET runtime in WebAssembly as well as ASM for older browsers. Well, kind of. So with Blazor, what, what they have is a compiler that takes Mono and compiles it to WebAssembly. So this is... Uh, it's It's got... The .NET framework, um, it's not really rewritten. It's uh, the same .NET framework work that you would use if you were writing, for example, a Unity application. Mm -hmm. But the compiler is compiling it uh, to uh, WebAssembly. So what's nice about this is while it, uh, WebAssembly is like a binary format or an assembly format, you're you're not using an, an executable assembly that Windows understands. So some of those security concerns that, that might 
you know, come to your mind immediately, um, you can kind of, kind of push those back a little bit. This isn't a uh, code that's going to execute on the desktop and have access to your registry and nightmarish things like that. <laughs> uh, what it also doesn't do is use a plugin. So we're not talking about reinventing um, something like Silverlight or any of those type of technologies like the the good old Flash days. I'm sure you're familiar with those, Brian. <laughs> it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit of... Uh, cold fusion memories and Adobe flashbacks coming to you. Yeah. 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 So this is a, a pretty uh, interesting uh, experiment. And, and I say that for a reason. Uh, this isn't something that's officially sanctioned quite yet. The experiment is officially sanctioned. Um, so this is actually the second run of this experiment. There's a, an engineer at Microsoft by the name of Steve Sanderson. Um, and he's kind of pioneered some uh, modern web technology um, kind of uh, frameworks and, and things like that at, at Microsoft. So he's worked on the Angular templates for uh, the Microsoft stack. So if you want to use Angular with .NET and, um, and kind of have like a full stack experience with uh, ASP.NET MVC using Angular, he's built some templates for that that uh, do some clever abstractions around things like Webpack and um, server-side rendering. So you don't quite need to know everything that's going on inside the system. Um, and uh, that that's really great for like people that are onboarding uh, to Angular and stuff to to get up and running. So he's done some pretty interesting work in the JavaScript.NET space already. Yeah. Uh, so some of those things are kind of being reused in Blazor, for example. Um, in in the Angular templates he's built, as I said, there's some abstractions around the JavaScript technologies there. Uh, a lot of a lot of .NET devs um, are familiar with JavaScript, but uh, there's quite a few that the the less they have to use of it, the better. Um, they prefer to stay inside of C Sharp if possible. So, uh, one thing he has inside of that uh, Angular template is something that allows you to run JavaScript from C Sharp. So it's pretty pretty interesting technology going on there. So you can basically from within C Sharp, call a JavaScript assembly or a JavaScript uh, uh, module and uh, execute that module and its functionality and get data back from it. Um, so you could do things like kick off Webpack or call out to Node.js and uh, pre-render an HTML page from, from uh, a web server. Uh, crazy stuff like that. And um, with Blazor... You're, you're writing C-sharp code that's being compiled to WebAssembly. Uh, so if you want to use something from the JavaScript world, this technology comes in really handy that he's used before. And you, you can actually invoke JavaScript from Blazor. So, yeah. So the, is the C-sharp getting, actually getting compiled down to WebAssembly? Or because it means it... it makes a claim that no plugins or transpilation needed. So I'm, ass I'm assuming by transpilation, he means like he's not taking the C sharp and converting it to JavaScript, right? Correct. But, but he is taking it and converting it to, to WebAssembly. That's what you're That's saying. That's right. Yeah. So the blazer framework is compiled, uh, with, with the mono, um, 
.NET Mono. Uh, it's all compiled to WebAssembly. So you literally ship DLLs across the wire. Uh, and those get ran natively in the browser. So all of your evergreen browsers, like uh, Chrome, Edge, um, uh, what's Firefox, and uh, Safari, uh, those will all support WebAssembly. Mm-hmm. And they'll run this natively. So you ship down the DLLs, and the browser knows how to take and use utilize those and execute the code natively. Mm-hmm. Now, if you run into a case where you absolutely need JavaScript for something, um, you can actually call out through these interop layers and uh, and call JavaScript code right from your C sharp assemblies. So it's pretty pretty interesting stuff that's going on uh, in that space. So, you know, that, that kind of makes you wonder, you know, maybe why people might gravitate to something like this. And, and I mentioned uh, there's some of those C-sharp devs out there that kind of don't, uh, don't use JavaScript as much or, or would rather use C-sharp. Um, so there, there's some benefits, right, to using C-sharp over JavaScript. And it's not because necessarily JavaScript's a bad language. Um, I'm not gonna I, I jokingly bash javascript here and there but who doesn't right <laughs> yeah um but it, it essentially you know javascript is is a great language uh it's got a lot of uh really good features it's dynamic which has its own uh benefits to it um but with c sharp uh you're talking about a statically typed language that has a completely different set of benefits to it uh so what we have with that ability is uh, things like strongly typed um, data sets. And um, our development experience is really seamless because we have IntelliSense and uh, the compilation of the application is, is very robust. And uh, a lot of times, um, you know, .NET developers aren't really concerned about the build process as much as they are just getting the app written because uh, the build, build process is pretty solid and uh, we don't have to tinker with Webpack and all those things that come with the JavaScript stack. Uh, so this is a, a really interesting um, framework that's that's being developed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's curious. As somebody who's not a .NET developer um, who actually does mostly just JavaScript, um, yeah, but I've been, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time and I've seen stuff like this kind of pop up from time to time. I've never, you know, be curious to see if this one really gets a foothold in the .NET community as it starts to mature. Cause I've seen a lot of them and it, they don't, you know, they always end up being like little niche audiences, but never mm-hmm. like really, um, strong communities where like, you know, people are, because in the end, I mean, one of the benefits of, of JavaScript is it's relatively easy to learn. So it's not really that hard to, to jump in. But I, I can see as our as a JavaScript stack gets more complicated, you start coming up, you know, it starts being a little bit more understandable to me why somebody might say, okay, well, I'm going to stick with the stack I know. Um as opposed to having to learn a whole new stack. I mean, you know, the, as a, before when I used to do JavaScript years ago, it was just, okay, just hop in a text editor and just start coding. And it can still be that way, but for the most part it isn't. Um, and then that complexity makes it 
make something like this, I think I could see how it would be appealing to a developer coming from yeah. from a, from that background. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, something that C sharp devs of or .NET devs in general have always wanted. Um, I, I think this was uh, kind of the ambition of web forms, but this is a totally different take on it and it's nothing like web forms if that makes any sense so it's um the the selling point is probably the same but the implementation is wildly different um so this blazer framework is is actually uh very much based on the concepts of angular and react so the idea of building uh, reusable components uh, that are made up of, uh, you know, simple parts of HTML and JavaScript uh, like Angular has. Blazor does the same thing, but it's, you know, bits of HTML and C Sharp. And they're organized in a very similar fashion to the way they are in Angular. So it's a modern take on doing .NET on the client. Um, and then the WebAssembly actually lets it execute on the client, whereas we've never had that before. Uh, WebForms was all done from the server side, and it had this view state thing, and it was a complete monster once it finally grew into something uh, you know, that was full scale. Um, where this, this is uh, you know, running on the client side, and it still follows the, the paradigm of the web, and it's not trying to abstract the web away from <laughs> the the frame you know the framework isn't trying to abstract the web uh, out of it like web forms did um so i think it's something that people have been wanting to have for a long time and this might finally be a way of getting it yeah cool well i'd be curious to see what what happens as it you know yeah. as, it, as people it, try it out yeah if uh if people want to check it out um it it does require like kind of the latest bits of uh, preview tooling from Microsoft. So um, you'll need uh, the latest version of the .NET framework, the preview version. Um, and if you're going to use Visual Studio, uh, which most most people that fit this uh, persona probably would, uh, you need the preview version of that as well. And if you go to uh, the web and just do a search for Blazor, and that's with an O, B-L-A-Z-O-R, um, you'll find some documentation on, on how to get started with it. Um, again, this is like very early. I wouldn't even call it a beta. It's like an alpha preview. Uh, so there's, there's various parts of it that are not ready for prime time. Um, first of all, you're definitely not going to build, uh, something that you're going to deploy to production on this. Um, but there's parts of, uh, the tooling that aren't quite ready yet. Uh, one of those things being like uh, real-time development in the browser um, where you have like, um, what, do they, what do they call that on the, the JavaScript side again? I always forget the name. Um, where, you, where you're building and, and the web parts already refreshing in the browser. Oh, live sync? Yeah. Li yeah. Oh, that's actually the, the native well, no, script. Live sync is native script, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the live reload? Yeah, live reload. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. Everybody's got their own, you know. Yeah, I think every, we just, should just come up with one name and everybody agrees to use it. Yeah. So Native Script has Live Sync, which does the same thing for uh, native mobile application development. So you, you write your code, hit save, yeah. the mobile app 
updates. Uh, if you're doing like Angular and React and those, you have live reload, which you hit save, your web page refreshes. Uh, and in the ASP.NET universe, um, you have uh, a live syncing functionality in there called browser link, which does the same thing. So lot, lots of ways to do the same thing. Uh, that is not ready for Blazor yet. Um, it is coming, uh, so I've heard. And uh, just you know, remember to manage your expectations if you're going to try this thing out. Um, but again, it's it's very simple to understand. Um, it's very Angular like in the syntax and stuff, but um, you don't need all the overhead of um, Webpack and NPM and all that. You know, you're using things you're already familiar with if you're using C sharp. So it's really cool. Okay. Uh, so let's let's try to segue from not using JavaScript, yeah, uh, to JavaScript. Yeah, let's let's not only use JavaScript, but let's use the most up to date JavaScript that's possible. Um, so our colleague Tara Lenixic, uh, she, she wrote a series of two articles that look at uh, ECMAScript 2017 major features and minor features. So, I mean, I think most listeners probably are aware that ECMAScript is just the, basically that's the uh, standards uh, for JavaScript, the JavaScript language. So what this, these are, are new features in JavaScript. Um, so... This isn't as big ECMAScript 2017 now that they're, they've moved to this process whereby every year they have a new version, basically. Um, ECMAScript 2017 does not have anywhere near as many major changes as, as uh, you know, 2015, was it? 2015 was the big one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so ES6, as we once upon a time called it. So that every... Anybody who follows JavaScript knows that one kind of was a game changer. There was it was often hard to keep up with how many changes to the JavaScript additions and changes to the JavaScript language came in that one. Uh, so, but ES two thousand seventeen has only a couple of really major features, and I'd say, you know, in some senses, some of the major features. Well, one of the two that she talks about. Uh, you may not even touch. So the one you probably will end up using, um, even now, I've already used it, um, is is the async await. Um, and so as any JavaScript developer knows, and probably you've done, you maybe even gotten caught in this, Ed, is, mm. is the callback hell for promises. Yes. You know, like the... Well, basically, where you have nested promises with promises and prom- and, and you just cannot figure out what the hell's going on. Um, it's it's confusing. like a bad relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so, so async await is hopefully trying to is trying to kind of fix that. So, I mean, typically, what you would have is say you call the an asynchronous function that that sends back a promise, but then. I need to do something else when that promise comes back to send off another asynchronous uh, call and so on and so forth, right? Um, 
And that's where it got really confusing. It wasn't like in the case of like, hey, I have one call to make. It's that your calls are usually, I have to make this one before I can make that one, before I can make that one, right? Yeah. Um, and async await allows you to more easily do that in a syntax that's a little bit more, well, not a little bit, can be, if you're in that kind of callback hell, it's a lot more readable um, where you say like, okay, here define, this is an asynchronous function. And then this function will, will be called when that comes back, right? This is what will happen when that comes back kind of thing. Um, so the, the syntax is a lot better uh, with async await than promises. And if you're a C sharp developer, you'll actually recognize the async await pattern, uh, much more easily if you're coming from that that world because it's it's pretty much identical to the way that it's implemented in C sharp. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. That's very cool. I mean, you know, it has its own problems. Um like I was even just reading just as we started this, I kind of had pulled up a, a an article that says like, okay, how to avoid or uh, async await hell, and I'm like, oh, wait, we were just in in <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were just in callback hell, and now we're in async await hell, where basically it's just it's just kind of effectively the article kind of talks about if you overuse it, whereby you, you have things awaiting other thing, other, you know, one function awaiting the return of something that actually it's not fully dependent on, but you end up writing it because of the way you write it, it, it looks, you know, you would, it's kind of confusing to read at times if you have too many of them going on and you might be including, you know, calling, waiting on a function that you don't really need to wait on. So he's kind of just advocating kind of grouping things in a way that, that um, is a little bit more logical rather than having everything awaiting another thing kind of thing. Yeah. And that, that was probably the poorest explanation ever, but that's the best I can do. <laughs> at I the think moment. this is, you know, human beings were, we're kind of synchronous beings, right? Like we, we don't do a lot of real multitasking. So anytime like we think of something abstract like this, it gets difficult, whether it's promises, async await or any, any, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's probably the most useful of the features though, that, that honestly, Mm -hmm. that most anybody will touch, um, in ECMAScript 2017. Okay. I I will argue with that and say trailing commas (laughs) will be the most touched feature. Trailing commas. Is that, is that, that must be that was one of the minor ones, right? I, I'm being sarcastic though, but um, yeah, like that. That was one of the minor features that was mentioned. So, like, I think you might have pointed this out already. There's a major features article and a minors featured article, uh, or features article where uh, async waits the major feature, and then we got some minor things too. Uh, trailing yeah. commas is one that always catches me. Yeah. As, uh, as somebody that jumps from, you know, several languages, being a polyglot programmer, uh, some languages allow trailing commas, some don't, and the ones yeah. that don't punish you when you forget them. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something that's hit me a ton of times in the sense that, you know, oftentimes you'll go and remove something and forget to take out the trailing comma. Or another place that happens is like when you have to, when you're actually dynamically generating something um, and, and you're adding in, you know, like a, a string that had, you know, might get generated by some code. 
where you have to put logic in to not add the trailing comma. Yeah. You know, otherwise that will cause an error. So I could see that that being somewhat slightly useful there, but it seems like, you know, trivial. And I would agree with uh, Tara's comment that it looks a bit sloppy, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I couldn't be bothered to, to do this correctly. So I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to let the it's going to let the language kind of cover up my my laziness, which is fine. Languages can have those kind of features, but, you know. Yeah. And then the um, the other kind of minor features are kind of based around metaprogramming. So we have things that uh, pieces of code we can execute that describe our code. <laughs> Uh, so we have things that can kind of loop over uh, keys and values and um, uh, properties of objects uh, to kind of get descriptions of those those objects and tell us about those things. So we can uh, build programs that can kind of uh, write. You you can kind of modify code at runtime and and do special things with those uh, those properties that you're you're able to. Uh, yeah. get data from. So metaprogramming isn't something like for daily use, really. Yeah. Uh, but you can build like frameworks and, um, you know, add features to frameworks that do things like uh, configuration over uh, code and stuff like that. That's really cool. So I'm, yep. I'm interested to see what kind of stuff comes out of that. Yeah, and I'd say the the other ones, like the other major feature, has a lot to do with, uh, um, like, I think it's web workers, right? The, basically, doing, you know, having parallel constructs in JavaScript where you have a web worker running in the background, and you want to be able to share with the main thread and share with other web workers, and so on and so forth. So that's why I'm saying, like that one, I think you know, it, it maybe in the future, as we get more as JavaScript developers kind of get used to that um, kind of thinking and adding how they might add those, that functionality into their programs, that'll be more used, but I can't, I don't, it's not something I see a lot of people doing today, you know? Uh, so Brian, uh, thanks again for joining me on the show, man. Yeah, it was great. And I guess we'll be doing the one at build hopefully, right? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll actually be talking at uh, Build and Progress next. We'll have a podcast booth set up as well, so we'll record some shows together there as well. Yeah, it'll be nice to and, do these uh, in person together. Yeah, that'll be a change. Yep. Uh, it'll be it'll be great to uh, get to hang out and uh, and do some stuff face to face again. Awesome. So uh, thanks for joining me and uh, appreciate your time as usual. All right. Bye. Thanks.